Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wilder directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I am Jake Lewitt. And I am Mark Hoffmeyer. And we host Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. On this episode, we're discussing minute 151 of The Best Years of Our Lives. The minute starts with Cliff finishing asking Marie if he should smack Fred, and ends with Marie hypothesizing on what Fred got up to in London, Paris, and all those places. I gotta tell you. If Cliff smacked Fred, it would be lights out for poor Fred. You think? Do you want to know why? Why? Why is that? So I did some research into this actor, Steve Cochran. This is Cliff. And they're calling him, like, the original Hollywood bad boy. So you look through, you just type in Google, you type in Steve Cochran bad boy. And you'll come across articles like the many deaths of Steve Cochran. And it's just he gets killed death by locomotive. He's been killed in like 25 movies. He was always the heavy. He was always a mafia guy. So in my notes, he's a mafia. He's, um, yeah, in like the chase and high, uh, highway boy. He's always the villain. And he gets killed by like uh, in White Heat. He gets killed by Cagney. He gets killed by a locomotive. He gets death by KKK. Death by mob runout, death by dog bite, death by swan dive, death by Ferris wheel fling in Carnival Story. <laughs> Ferris right? wheel. Ferris wheel fling. Nice. Uh, death by mortified mother, death by hit and run, death by Elliot Ness machine gun twice in the Purple Gang and then uh, 90 Proof Dame. So this guy has just been killed in, in so many movies. And also, I was reading about this dude, and he was a legit weirdo. So he acted in a lot of movies, big filmography, but he would lead police on car chases and he would drive his, he was fly his airplane around and fly it too low over homes and get pulled over by a helicopter cop. Like he was one of the, like he was just this guy that was crazy. He was on this sailboat accident with two women, a couple dogs and a monkey. And they had to dive out of the sailboat while it crashed into the shore. Was he uh, doing guy, some kind of Life of Pi? Yeah, nonsense. This, uh, this guy is insane. And so, like, I also read about how, uh, I mean, he was also heavily abusive, and he was uh, like a legit. He was married three times. He got sued for adultery. This guy sued him because his wife stopped giving him affection because he was sleeping with his wife. He had this woman come over for an addition to Steve Cochran, and he tied her up and beat her, and she was able to escape. And when the cops got involved, the studio got involved and they didn't want their star getting in trouble. So the the woman who got beat up and bruised, she they, they said, well, it's probably a good thing that he did it to her because she was so high on pills. And they like, they, oh, they covered that up. He was just beating uh, women on, you know, on his allegedly uh, the cops let him off, of course. But I mean, when a bruised woman who's tied up runs from your house, you're like, yeah, because she was on pills. Now, what gets really interesting is his death, which, which it's pretty, pretty interesting. So he wanted, he, he, his film career started winding down this Cochran. So he's like, I'm going to start my own production company. So he starts his own production company and he wanted to make this movie about this guy who made this, made this trip around the world, a movie called Captain O'Flynn, a real life adventure of Lee Quinn, a ship captain who in 1963 began a voyage in the Pacific aboard his catch with an all girl crew. So Cochran liked the idea. And he ended up casting, let's see, a 14-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 25-year-old, three Mexican women. And so he goes on an eight-day sailing trip from Acapulco down the Pacific Ocean to Costa Rica. So he wanted to make the journey before he made the movie. 
So they set sail in 1965. And somewhere along that way, he ended up dying. They said that his lungs collapsed and he choked. And 10 days later, they found his decomposing corpse on a boat and the mast was ripped off and the three women didn't know how to sail. So they were stuck on board with this corpse for 10 days uh, and they did an autopsy, whatever. But I mean, it's so suspect. Like this guy is a known abuser. Then he takes some 14 year old, 19 year old, 25 year old on a boat. He dies. They leave the corpse on there for 10 days. And that, that was how he died. The Steve Cochran who wow. played Cliff. Yeah. So he said he had, he had like 20, 29 deaths. He's only been yeah. he's only got like sixty six acting credits to his name. So that's that's almost half. He's like the nineteen forties Sean Bean or something. <laughs> no, he is. Yeah, I mean this guy Cliff. He 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 got killed a lot because he was always a gangster. He you know you look at him this scene as Cliff, right? Yeah. He's he's you know the dark hair, the the devil may care attitude. Um, and I mean he even says it to him like, how do you get along? What, what does he say? He he's says like, oh, you had me. He's like, you just take all in stride. It's easy if you just take everything in your stride, yeah. But yeah, Cliff in this movie, he's super laid back. He has, a, he has a decent confidence. At this time, Cochran had been acting for a while. But this guy, oh, dude, he had a party at his house. And there was a professional boxer there at his home, a former professional boxer. And according to the boxer, he went back inside to get his coat. But Cochran ran out with a baseball bat and cracked him in the skull. And according to Cochran, the, the boxer came back to fight him. So he's like, he's a boxer. I'm a regular guy. So I hit him in the face with a baseball bat and the boxer ended up suing Cochran and Cochran had to pay him. So clearly Cochran wasn't attacked. Like he just walked out with a baseball bat and, and cracked a former boxer in the skull at a party at his house. Well, so, so by the sounds of it, you mean, you, you said that if, uh, if Cliff had smacked, uh, had smacked Fred, then Fred would be lights out. But by the sounds of it, uh, Steve Cochran is not he's uh, he's not confident in his own punching ability against Whoa. a boxer so he had to go and get a bat so he, he fights That's... he fights dirty so maybe if he smacked him he maybe he's got a weak punch I don't know well we saw the punch that Fred threw earlier in the film I mean he blanked a dude out and wiped out an entire display he did yes <laughs> I mean that that guy's arms went stiff you know what I love in this movie too I mean Wilder's such a great director and I'm sure everyone's talked about this in the 150 episodes before this but as soon as he connects, that dude's arms go limp, like stiff, and he falls back. It's good work by the stuntman. Yeah. So, and also, I, uh, Fred also talks to Al. He's like, hey, man, we're going to go take this outside. And Al's like, I'm a street fighter. I'll bite you. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, man, what? Is he going to gouge eyes? Like, this is going to be a they live street fight between Al and Fred. So, and you, you raise a good point here. I guess in general, fisticuffs. But see, the problem is. Let's say Fred gets the better of Cliff in the fisticuffs. Cliff is Cliff's going to come back with a bat and a rabid monkey. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's chewing something. He's going to spit whatever that is in Fred's oh, face. He's got the gum. He's yeah. got the, the cigarette in the corner of his mouth. That's getting flicked straight into Fred's eye. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cliff's a shady bugger, isn't he? He's, yeah. um, and I, I, we're, we're led to assume that they're, like, they're, they're lovers, right? Or they're not just going to lunch it's it's implied i would say he's a, a friend and she uh, and uh, marie knew him whilst uh, whilst fred was away it's it's implied that maybe there's some relationship there beyond a friendly drink as she, as she says this guy's life steve cochran just getting tickets wipe like he his boat like hits a dock but he has to jump out and save his monkey that he had with him <laughs> Dude, We've all been like, there. 
Yeah, exactly. I remember that boat trip we took on the Pacific. Like, uh, oh, man, we had to save all the monkeys. But it's just I do like this section that we have because not only do we later on we get a best years of our lives line. Well, that's the next one. But I do like that we get Cliff. Like Cliff's a, Cliff's a character in this. And he just – you know what's crazy about Cliff, right? You just slept with a married woman. Her husband comes in. And you look at the married woman and go, hey, should I smack him? Like, what? Ew! What? <laughs> if anyone's in the wrong here, <laughs> it's him. <laughs> and Cliff is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smack this guy. Like, what? Well, Cliff is not a good human, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think he, uh, Steve Cochran's well cast in the, the heel roles he was, he, uh, he got often, as you say. He's, got, he's just got that look about him of... Not the hero that we're following, and I, I do enjoy. Yeah, you know, over on Deep Blue Sea, we tend to uh, we don't look at things minute by minute. We look at things a scene at a time. So it's rare that one sixth of what we're talking about is just a guy putting a jacket on. Uh, I do yeah. like that. Just, uh, Fred and Marie stop to watch uh, Cliff put his his jacket on for eight to ten seconds. Um, it's pretty interesting with Cliff too, because you come home, your husband, you see that, and then the guy's so calm. And then he talks about punching you. Like, you're going to be a little mystified. Like, the guy, the guy, um, he puts up a pretty good. Like, I, I, it's almost like that's not the reaction you're expecting. You're expecting someone to run out the back door. Yeah, you think he's going to he's going to hide. He's going to hide under the bed or behind the curtains or any of these classic sitcom tropes. Uh, but this is he, he's he's not the kind of guy. Cliff's got too much confidence for that. He's not hiding. <laughs> he's he's brazen with what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did that in real life too. I think so. Yeah. I mean, because he actually got sued for it. Some guy sued him <laughs> for adult. Like some, I guess a, a guy. Yeah. So when he was shooting a movie, he got and he, uh, while he was on his third marriage, he had an affair and he got sued. The Steve Cochran. But uh, all right, can we can we talk about something else too? Like yeah, Virginia Mayo. Her character, um, Marie. Marie. She had her own job. She seemed to be getting by just fine without Fred. Yeah, she, she was a nightclub singer, I believe. Yeah, and she made good money. She was talking about all the money she made, like 500 bucks a month, where he comes home making 32.50 a week. And so she's on her own all these years, and she's probably hanging out with Cliff, too, which he's shady, so that's bad business. But she's she's on her own. She's making 500 bucks, and Fred comes back. And he's like, hey, quit your job. You know, Make me dinner. And he comes back, isn't really communicative, not – she should be more supportive, right? Absolutely. But I don't think she's the out-and-out villain because he had smooched with um, – oh, gosh. Al's oh, daughter. Yeah, Al's daughter. I can't remember her name. Peggy? I have no. a whole flow chart here <laughs> with, with my name. So Fred uh, with Peggy. Oh, it was Peggy. Okay. Three's so, are, are right. Yes. Like – yeah, he's he's going there and like she's not okay. She's really not understanding of this man, but also a lot of people weren't understanding of PTSD and issues like that. So like, just rub some dirt on it, you'll be fine. Yeah, like, but it's it still a couple of decades away from PTSD being a, a term that was coined. <laughs> so it's just don't be a wimp, yeah. right? Like, don't be a wimp. So her behavior at this time, she, I don't. I, 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 I read a lot of reviews, and everyone's like, she's a gold digger. I'm like, not really, because she was making her own money. It seems, and maybe this is a skill of Weiler and, and Robert E. Sherwood, um, that she's 
Yeah, she, yeah, she's with Cliff, right? And she's not very understanding, but also, I don't know, it's just she's pretty unapologetic about being who she is. So I don't, I don't, I don't see her as being too much of a villain as the the read-ups that I've read about her. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a, a like a, a primary villain in the film. It's yeah, it, you know, it's a very realistic slice of life drama, and there's, there's rarely uh, out and out villains in real life, uh, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, I suppose. But she's she's an antagonist to to Fred, I would say. She's like an, an obstacle to get around to achieve his end goal of happiness. Yeah, but Peggy. But yeah, but she's. She's not a, a villain. Her decisions make sense. She's put upon in some ways. Like, you know, as you said, Fred made her get rid of her job. Well, uh, made her quit her job, which she seemed okay with doing, if I recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's the decisions she makes. They all make sense. Uh, I don't blame her entirely for many of them. Although the sleeping around, it's a little, it's an iffy, iffy. Subject. I mean, what do you, I mean, look at Cliff though, or uh, look at Fred though. He's he's going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm not uh, saying that he's entirely blameless in this. Yeah, I guess when someone like two wrongs don't make a right yeah. for sure. But yeah, they're both they both don't like each other. I think they didn't write each other. He kind of just liked having that pinup photo in his plane, and I think she liked the idea of him in uniform. And they they were married was it a couple of weeks I think before he went off to war. It's, mm-hmm. it's been it's and, been a little while since I saw the whole film, whereas I think you watched it yesterday. <laughs> And as Al says, he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a scoundrel. You see, you know, he used to be kind of a playboy. Yeah. So I think when Mary met him, he was probably having a lot of fun. He was probably trying to enjoy his life as much as possible. And then he comes back after flying massive uh, buses on in, in the air and dropping bombs on people. It's uh, he's a different dude. And so they don't really know each other. Uh, it's so, I mean, it's just, I mean, a lot of that happens in wartime. Like, you know, I have friends who got married quickly because they make more money and they get quarters and then it comes back and, you know, they're on three wives uh, by the time they're like 26. So, I mean, it does happen, I guess, in the military. I guess I just like how Weiler, like you said, doesn't make anybody the main antagonist because as a lot of the reviews I'm reading, it's just everyone's like dogpiling on, um, I can't, Marie. And it's just... I don't know. It just seems lazy to just be like, oh, yeah, yeah she's like the worst. But I don't know. I, I like that he painted her as three-dimensional, I would say, or almost three-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my, my grandparents, they they got married because my, you get paid more. That's it. Mm-hmm. My, my granddad was in the army. They got married because you got paid more. And, you know, they're still together many, many decades later. So sometimes it works out and sometimes you have Fred and Marie. <laughs> so <laughs> they just didn't know each other. Yeah, it just and then they were in completely different places. But that's a lot of money, right? Five hundred bucks a month yeah. in forty six. That's that's some bank. It like, is. You're doing yeah. pretty well for yourself. Not not nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah. And then Fred comes back. Man, Fred. I like that bit with the box. I know they've already talked about it on prior episodes, but when he goes to sell that uh, bottle of perfume, he's like, it's a big bottle. And then he keeps opening boxes. It's a tiny little bottle. Yeah. And then he knocks the dude out. Yeah. It's not a good job to have had. No. And it's just, I guess it's just, but that's what you got to do, right? You just got to get used to coming back to the real world and figuring stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to go through nearly that, but I lived in Korea for a while and when I came back, I didn't really have a job lined up. And so you're just sort of, you're very qualified, but you're just not, you're kind of listless, I would say. 
So I, I mean, I, I went through one one millionth of what uh, Fred did. So no, I feel for him. And so this scene, I don't know. It's like it's pretty convenient, though, isn't it? How so? What do you well, mean? he needs a divorce, so he comes home and he meets Brazen Cliff, and and then she's just kind of saying, "Yeah, we're getting done. Like we're getting divorced." I see. So it's, it's convenient for him because she wants the same thing as him. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's just, man, how am I going to get with Peggy? And then you come home and you meet Cliff, and so it's Aha. they would have fallen apart eventually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's. But I think that happens a lot. So it doesn't ring false. It doesn't like killing off Dom's baby mama and fate of the furious. That's horribly convenient. Like, Oh great. Michelle Rodriguez is back. He has a kid with this lady. We don't really want to have like this weird love triangle. They're not going to like split time with the child. What are we going to do? Oh, let's just kill her off. Like we can't kill off anybody else. Like that's bad screenwriting. I had wondered how you would get the, the uh, fast and furious franchise into the discussion about the best years of our lives, but well done, you've managed to do it. Congratulations. Well, I mean, most of these, <laughs> most of most of the times that I've spent watching Fast and Furious are the best times of my life. There we go. <laughs> so I had <laughs> to pick it up. No, but it's just, it's a well-constructed shot. You know, I, I, I love the scene where she kind of looks into the mirror before she puts her hat on, the way they frame it. I mean, I'm sure many people have talked about the cinematography in this and building the smaller rooms and the production design. And There's a lot of mirrors in, in the whole the whole film like could use a mirror all of it like, i like uh cliff his reflection in the mirror as he goes to the door is just a nice shot as well so but yeah i'm, I'm sure we can't have got 150 episodes in without people bringing up the cinematography <laughs> it's it's phenomenal kenneth lonergan the guy who directed manchester by the sea and wrote the playwright uh many other you know he also did what margaret and um the laura linney movie with mark ruffalo but oh, you can count on me but he talks about how that scene when al comes home and he goes to the door and he just he's, he said he started crying when he saw that door scene. Lonergan did because it's just such a beautiful setup. And then it got me thinking, are the door scenes in the best of our lives better than the door scenes <laughs> in Deep Blue Sea? How, how many are there in comparison? Because Deep Blue yeah. Sea has hundreds of door scenes. Now we would have to we would have to average it right because this one's so much longer. True. Yes, it is uh, almost double the length. So I guess there might be more in this, but there's no. Well, actually, man, there's a great door bit, and we're not going to be able to talk about it, are we? When she leaves the door open for Homer, yeah, instead of closing it. Yeah, that was that was in last week's chapters, I think. So the uh, oh, got it. Yeah. The guys from the Marine Corps movie minute covered those. So I'm sure they've done a good job. Oh yeah, I dug that. No, it just made me. Uh, oh man, when she puts that, oh what a what a door scene. I don't know. Deep Blue Sea still has better door scenes. I'll say it right now. It's Rainy Harlem. Has more. I know best. The best years of our lives has more Oscars, more accolades. It's on the AFI American Film Institute's top 100. It's in the top 25. One of the highest grossing movies of its time, considered to be a true classic. But there's no spinny door handles. No, there's no shark eating a bird in a kitchen. It's just. <laughs> and also, <laughs> the closest thing, though, it's already opened. But when Fred does that cool jump into the plane, it's very athletic. It's very Carter Blake-esque. True. Yes, we'll get, we'll get that. Yeah, we can talk about yeah. that later. I'm jumping ahead. 
Does, does, but, does Best Years of Our Lives have an LL Cool J rap on the end credits? It does not. No, does not. And also the score, Wilder didn't like the score anyway. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you never fine. hear Rennie Harlan saying that. No, yeah. Rennie Harlan <laughs> loved the score to Deep Blue Sea. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Uh, any more notes for, for 151? No, I just, you made a great point. I, I think Fred would win the battle over cliff but cliff would win the war i, I think cliff might win overall because i think cliff cliff's gonna fight dirty yeah Although fred might He's as like well. you never know it depends if cliff gets if cliff gets if fred gets a good punch in he takes it i think do you think fred is like i don't think fred's a dirty fighter no i, I think but i think if he take if he knocks cliff out before cliff gets a chance to fight dirty that fred needs to get in in hard and fast he is quite aggressive, though. Remember the early scene when he grabs uh, Murray by the arm, or Mary? I, I keep, why do I keep saying that name wrong? People are going to kill me listening to this. I, I, I know the name. I watched the movie. I'm a bad guys. Uh, but yeah, he does grab her arm. He does a classic 1940s arm arm grab. Actually, Captain America does it, too, in the 2010s. Oh, but uh, I guess he's, he's from, from the 40s 1940s too. and Frozen. Yeah. yeah. What's with 40s people grabbing arms? But yeah, he does the, the classic arm grab on her. So he does have some temper to him. Yeah. But I don't see him eye-poking Cliff. No. <laughs> the Three Stooges. Yeah. <laughs> I see Cliff taking a baseball bat, though, when uh, Fred's leaving the soda shop. Oh, he already got fired from there. But yeah, Cliff is winning. But I like Cliff. It's a, it's a good character introduction. He added some... Like, this movie's very earnest and wholesome. Like, not wholesome, but it's very heartfelt and wholesome so it was nice having a little bit of swarthiness injected for the one minute of uh cliff's moments so i like that that's my final thought okay well listeners you can find the best minute podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify and google play or at the main site thebestminutes.com social media is available at butcher's place the best years of our lives listeners cafe on facebook and on twitter at the best minutes so for minute 151 of the best years of our lives i've been jay clarett and i'm mark hoffmeyer and join us here next time on the best minutes podcast Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.